0: You're listening to The Kelly Cutrera Show on 640 Toronto. It's unfortunate that uh, Chris Rock being slapped by Will Smith is overshadowing one of the most important stories as far as the uh, entertainment world is concerned that occurred over the weekend on Friday. Taylor Hawkins, drummer for the Foo Fighters, was found dead in his hotel room. He had about 10 dis- different substances in his system. And I just feel gutted for Dave Grohl. This is the second bandmate he has lost in his career. And if you've ever had the opportunity to meet Dave Grohl, I'll tell you, uh, you know he is one of the nicest, most uh, down to earth guys around. Here is he, Taylor Hawkins, he looked at like a brother. And have a little listen to the interchange on stage between Dave and Taylor. Taylor,
1: David, listen. Yes. Dan, light him up. Let me see all the people right now. Uh, see? They love you, man. Feel it. Okay. Here's the thing. Taylor Hawkins, best f- drummer in the world. Taylor Hawkins, best f- singer in the world. Taylor Hawkins is going to come down and sing a song for you
0: tonight. Yeah, Taylor Hawkins uh, dead at the age of 50. Alan Cross from the Ongoing History of New Music in a journal of MusicalThings.com joins the show. Alan, uh, this is, you know, one of those Stories that I wish I was is sitting in my car and um I had you coming on the radio to tell me why this is so important. And I say that because I remember listening to you on the edge. That, well, it was CFNY at the time, the day Kurt Cobain died. And it was the most powerful piece of radio. And I know you've heard me say this before, but you... Uh, immediately I thought of you with this story because I thought oh no here we go again what does Alan think of this so I'm really happy that you're with me
1: I had a chance I had had many chances to talk to Taylor over the years and he really was he was this fun lovable goofy uh, just you know wonderful human being um, that had no rock star pretensions whatsoever and I asked him once actually it was with uh, all the Foo Fighters together I said whenever I see you guys play it seems like you're having the time of your life and uh, Taylor was the one who piped up and he said they're paying us millions of dollars to fly around the world to play rock and roll of course we're having fun he knew that he had landed the best job in the world and together with Dave you know, the guy who hired him turned out to be his best, 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 best buddy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, ha- had, you know, everything going for him. And, you know, when Eddie Van Halen died, we, it, that was shocking, but we knew it was coming because we knew he was sick. Uh, with the Foo Fighters, there, there was a band there that didn't seem to have an awful lot of danger, and that was by design because Dave did not want the kind of danger that he had to endure with Kurt Cobain and and Nirvana. Pat Smear, the guitarist, uh, also didn't want to have any danger because he'd lived plenty of it himself. He was, with a tu- he was with Nirvana as a touring guitarist when Kurt died in 1994. And back in 1980, he was in a band called The Germs. And the day before John Lennon was shot, this the singer for The Germs, a guy named Darby Crash, died of a heroin overdose. So he had gone through this twice before. Now, here we go again. And I... Oh, you know, this isn't- it, it's...
0: I'm going to let you. Sorry, Alan. I, I feel like I, I I just interrupted a really one of those important pieces where you start to just really emote. Yeah, I
1: I I I, run out of, I ran out of words. I got nothing else to say. Um, simply because uh, this was so unexpected. We are going to hear more about the circumstances of his death. Yeah, we hear about the uh, 10 or 11 substances that were found in his system. That was a preliminary toxicology report. We need to re- re- wait for the full toxicology report. The, the, the more interesting thing that I find is the, uh, the enlarged heart. His, his heart right. was twice the size of a person his size and age. Instead of about 300, 325 grams, it was 600 grams. So that points to some kind of cardiac like long-term cardiac issue.
0: Well, let's go uh, back and and talk about his drug use. Because Taylor Hawkins, Um, you know, one of the things that I found amazing as I was listening to Dave Grohl, you know, fell down the rabbit hole that a lot of people did over the weekend, just uh, watching a lot of interview clips and, and moments with him and Taylor uh, being interviewed. But Dave Grohl gave up drugs at the age of 20. Taylor Hawkins suffered a very public heroin overd- overdose. I think it was in 2011, in London and no, um, 2001 2001, 2001. It was a long, okay yeah it was a very
1: long time ago and and during that uh, time he was in a, he was in a coma for for
0: 2 weeks yeah
1: and uh, the entire time he was in that coma Dave sat with him
0: wow that is love and yet, apparently yeah, it was it, a love it was a love story it was love at first sight when they first met, when, uh, he was touring around with, uh, Alanis Morissette, Taylor Hawkins was her drummer and Dave Grohl met him and just w- fell in love with him. Hard not to, cause you did already mention, you know, his goofiness. Every interview I saw him in, he doesn't sit in a chair. He sat in a chair like a little kid does and pulls their feet up, you know, like knees into your chest. Um, the, I think it was just such a major loss to people because whenever you saw this guy, he had a big, broad smile on his face. And we learned that there, you know, are drugs in his system. An enlarged heart I know is super dangerous. This is twice the size that it should be. And that could be years of uh, abuse. Now, if he was found alone in his hotel room, I, I mean, you have to wonder, I mean, how hidden that possible addiction was if he was still using drugs, if the other guys in the band don't.
1: Well, that's it. And not only do the other guys not use, they have, uh, you know, traumatic experiences, um, involving drugs. And they would, you know, the Foo Fighters are a multimillion dollar business. Dozens of people depend on their, their, their livelihood depends on the Foo Fighters. They have all these commitments. They have all these contracts. They have all these projects. And you got to think that, look at. uh, and you know, Dave would would lay down the law. And says, "Look, it. We don't want. Like I said, we don't want any danger. Mm-hmm. We are a. We are on a mission to become the biggest rock band in the world. We're almost there. Let's not do anything to screw it up. Taylor, you're my buddy. If you have some issues, we got to deal with them because I'm not going through this again. So, uh, you know, the there may have been some some. Narcotic use here—we don't know, but uh, how how is that allowed? If, if that if that was the case, how was it allowed to happen, given the history of the band and given the future of the band?
0: Well, it really does speak to if if he was still using addicts and addiction, and how you know as an addict you know how to navigate um, in order to feed your addiction, and even well, if it's as, your best friend, because there are people you know, that. You know, are just none the wiser when, when that people are using in their lives
1: could be, um, and you know, as an addict, uh, you never really heal. You learn to manage. Mm. Can and I, uh,
0: can I play ahead. something? Because I, I think it's really uh, it, it's it's important that we play, this because I want to get to this question, Dave Grohl. It found this moment of him on, on with Stern and Taylor sitting on the couch, exactly how I described beside him, you know, feet up, um, hugging his, his uh, knees into his chest, goofy little grin on his face. But Dave Grohl was asked about Kurt Cobain's death. And here's what he said. Here's how he said it affected him. It was
1: just such a weird time. And we were kids, you know, I was like 25 years old or something like that. Yeah. So it was just, it was strange. And nobody, I couldn't even, I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't listen to Nirvana. I couldn't listen. I'd turn on the radio and I'd hear like, oh, by myself, and I start crying. You know? oh. and like it was, it was terrible. Just sitting down at a drum set reminded me of, of Kurt, <laughs> reminded me of Nirvana, and it was just sad.
0: And apparently he and Kurt weren't very close at that point in Nirvana's uh, career when Kurt Cobain killed himself. Did, was Dave Girl even close to his you know, did he have a relationship that was as tight as it was with Taylor, with Kurt? And how no, do you think that's no. going to affect the band?
1: Uh, th- th- it was definitely not nearly as 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 tight. Um, in fact, I remember that Dave, I think, was the fifth or sixth drummer that Nirvana had. There were stories that came up later that Kurt was thinking of firing Dave towards, uh, you know, the, the end. Uh, Courtney has had stories about how, you know... They didn't get along and nobody got close to Kurt. He wouldn't allow anybody to get close to him. So he was just this other guy and this dark presence that really didn't have a lot of friends outside of Courtney and maybe a couple of other people. But Dave certainly wasn't part of that. Uh, Contrast that with Taylor, which is probably why he became such a a big, big, big friend with Taylor. He needed, you know, he wanted to have somebody close to him, like him, shared interests with him. Uh, and, and he found that. And, uh, you know, okay. now that you play that that clip, you got to wonder, OK, how could how could Dave go on?
0: Yeah, because he, he he's never asked when when uh, Kurt died, Kristen him never, ever talked about starting continuing on with Nirvana. It was finished. Foo Fighters, can they even go on or do you think that's it? Is Dave going to have to try and rebuild a different band? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, you're the you're the musicologist here. You're the the god when it comes to these storylines, Alan.
1: Uh, too early to tell. Uh, Dave will not sit still. He does have. He understands the responsibilities. Um, he may want to continue on as a way to honor Taylor. Um. So if I had to be pushed in one direction or another, I would say that the Foo Fighters are going to take some time off—a long time off—and uh, come back in some kind of form. Uh, and I'm not sure that they'll have a different drummer. They got one.
0: Oh, and you think Dave will take over? That's interesting because I was going to ask you who would step behind the kit.
1: I—it might be Dave.
0: He's going to pull a Phil it, Collins.
1: He might. Wow he might. I, I I don't know.
0: Uh, I don't want to see my front man behind a kit
1: i I understand. Um, but at some point in the next in the coming weeks, there's gonna have to be a really, really difficult band meeting with uh, the other the other guys in the group with a management company, group called uh, John Silva management um maybe a representative from the record label maybe some other people some friends and family who can offer some outside assistance and they're going to have to make a decision about what to do um if it's if it's not dave that plays drums maybe you know he's got his pick he can play you know pick anyone he wants i can't think of anybody right off the top of my head but right? because i don't know what kind of relationships he has with uh with other drummers but there will be never there'll never be anybody to replace Taylor if you want to see exactly what the sort of dynamic was go to YouTube and call up a clip I don't think you can do it because I think it's a a bit rough for for radio uh, where uh, he tells (laughs) the story of them being on Saturday Night Live and being introduced by Christopher Walken
0: Foo fighters uh, yeah, yeah
1: fighters uh, and you see uh, the dynamic between him and Taylor. Taylor doesn't, you know, he's there as almost like a, a talisman, a comfort uh, blanket. Uh, somebody just to, to uh, you know, loosen Dave up even further when he's doing an interview. And uh, you can see that dynamic in that particular interview clip. All right.
0: Well, Google, you've got my interest speaked. I have to leave it at that, Alan. But, oh, man, I... Uh... Thank you for, for joining us, because I think uh, I wish this could go on a lot longer, this conversation. Maybe we'll have to continue off air. Call, uh, call you at 1205. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, we'll see he you
0: Seems He doesn't seem so amused. Alan Cross, seeing the ongoing history of new music and a journal of musical things. I do have his home number. I might abuse it later.